The show is brought to you by Rudus Metal Detectors, makers of the Alter 71. Discover new possibilities at rutus.com.pl. I, I just can't believe that, you know, we're now Lego figures, you and I. <laughs> well, I, I was already a Lego figure. Uh, <laughs> I've already got my own Sig Pig. Yeah, so um, I'm glad now I got my, uh, what is it, the... the, the uh, the uh, the Lego tape on top of the computer now, so I can put my mini figs <laughs> on there, and so I'm gonna have me sitting on top, staring at me, staring at you. So, and I was actually really impressed with how they turned out. They do. They're, they look fantastic. They turned out really good. So, so the idea is, John and I will take these out while we're metal detecting, uh-huh. and when we find something cool, we'll you know do like a bricks to meet photography thing in the field with the find or even just around the place it's stuff that i used to do when i was going out by myself but because hopefully starting next month i'm going to be finally getting back out and um go metal detecting somewhere nearby i just i normally just go out on the weekends Catherine will normally be sleeping in so i tend to go out in the mornings but more often than not, if I'm going out with John, we go out for the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> so so we, we're going out tomorrow. Um, we hadn't really planned much because I sort of had this other thing on with this other person and that, that didn't eventuate. So I said, oh, what are you up to on the weekend? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm doing this stuff with my wife and I'm not really doing anything on Sunday. So I said, oh, okay. Well, I was going to go out tomorrow. And he goes, oh, well, if you go out Sunday, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let, me, let me just check with the boss. Hey, can I hang out with John on Sunday? Like, yeah. She said, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, she, Catherine's pretty, I mean, we, I don't know if I told you, but in our wedding vows, I said, um, I, I altered what had been given to us and I changed the promises to say that Catherine would promise me that I could go out metal detecting whenever I wanted. And my promise to her was that she could buy as many shoes as she wanted. <laughs> and, and, you know, she's, she's made good on that promise. <laughs> so have you. <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> yeah, so have I. So have I. Well, as you know, this is uh, Global Detection Adventures, the GDA radio podcast. My name is Lance Goolsby. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, along with me on the very opposite side of the world, we're, we're about to collide with the same kind of weather pattern in the next couple months as we go into spring and they go into fall. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's so weird. To we think call it that. autumn, right? <laughs> Well, we call it that way, too. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) we got 42 sitting down under. She's currently the sitting upside down in Australia down there in, uh, uh, where is it? Adelaide, Australia, correct? Adelaide. Yes, good old Adelaide. Well, we like to call it Radelaide because it's rad. Well, yeah, she's uh, she's training up her, uh, her drop bears for all the people coming onto her permissions and getting them ready to go. So, yeah. So this is uh, yeah. <laughs> the, I know I'm very excited. I know I have been 
out of commission basically since September last year. Haven't been able to go metal detecting. My metal detector is all bagged up right beside me right now. In fact, I got to go put some new uh, cable clamps on it. And uh, I got all my other ones are just collecting dust down in the cellar. My XP is down there just screaming for me to walk out with it. I don't know how you do it. I really don't. I think I would go nuts if I couldn't go out. I am. I am. I am starting to seriously lose any kind of drive to even do the podcast. I am going into this really dark hole of depression of metal detecting. It's really bad. I don't get it. Oh, well, I just, that just means I have to find more stuff and show it to you. <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely do do that. Definitely do do that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing a kind of fun show. This is kind of an impromptu show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to identify uh, fines, so definitely check that out. This is going to be a lot of fun. I think a lot of people around the world, even if you are in countries we are not covering, it might be that you find something that was from one of these countries that we're going to talk about, and we're going to make it a lot easier for you to identify when it was made and where it was made. And uh, this will definitely be something that I think everybody will actually really enjoy uh, listening to. And uh, I know we were just doing a little bit of research just moments ago before the show, and we got into a really big rabbit hole looking up something you got at a flea market, actually. And it was just so much fun <laughs> yeah. looking it up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the things that you find at a garage sale. <laughs> I'm going to buy that. I'm going to spend my $1. On that, and I will just for the um, fun of looking up when that was made. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. It's it's actually a really fun uh, little bit, and um, but uh, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna cut on over to the shoutouts. Yeah. So this week, shoutouts for me uh, for the two competition winners. So for those of you who follow the Facebook information over the last couple of weeks i've put out a competition where i've said who can guess the oldest coin that i find on this day that i've got metal detecting you've got 24 hours to put in a response and the person who is the closest to without going over that date gets a prize and the prize is just some coin from my personal collection that i have dug up so the first one who uh, won that was gary smith uh, and he uh, he he guessed 1901, and the oldest coin I found that day was a 1924 Commonwealth of Australia penny. So mm -hmm. he received a nice little silver coin, which was a 1941 King George the Sixth threepence. Oh, that's nice. Uh, I I love finding threepences. They're they're really really tiny. They're made out of silver. In Australia, they're either sterling silver or 50 percent silver. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's in the 40s when that date changes. I think it's 40, up to 43 or 44, they're sterling, and after that they're 50%. Um, well, and they're, they're just a real treat to find. It's kind of like the uh, the German three Kreutzer that I'm holding up to the camera for her to look at. I mean, this thing is... Yeah, which I can't see because it's all blurry. Yeah, it's, it is <laughs> just about the size of my fingertip, and I think that's kind of like the size of your threepence. So, yeah, uh, this is and, teeny. Yeah, and I, I find them a real treat to find because they're silver, they're tiny, and 
the Australian ones, I think, have got quite a nice design on them that's a sheaf of wheat in that particular uh, vintage. The early ones, the King George V ones, they had a coat of arms on them. So congratulations to Gary with that one. Yeah, good job. Next. Yeah. The the next uh, winner was Chris Wright. So he actually correctly guessed the actual date on a find that I had last weekend, like, which was – Like point, to the a, point. Sorry? He actually guessed the okay. actual date. Yeah, he got the actual date. There was quite a lot of a uh, lot of lot of entries on that particular day, and he successfully guessed the actual date. So um, that was a an 1889 British halfpenny. So wow. up until up until 1910, Australia used the British coins, and then from 1910 onwards, we started to use. Uh, Australian coins. So I think the first coins in Australia minted with silver and then the coppers came along in 1911. Wow. So so he, he correctly guessed that. Um, and that particular coin was found on a private permission on a, at a metal detecting event. And the next coin that I saw that day, so there could have been others that I didn't see, mm. um, but the one I found was 1889 and the next oldest coin was 1919. There were a couple of other items that were older than that. There were some dog registration tags that were found from that. I think the one I saw was 1902 or 1901. Uh, but in terms of coins, the one that I found I think was the oldest. I was guessing like 2018 because uh, no. I was just figuring you were going to dig in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would not have won, Lance, with that. Yes, you know you're quite a, quite a few years out of out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at guessing. Sorry. So while I was there, um, it, it was a, it was a detecting event. So there were some seared targets. Uh, there were some targets that were things that you can commonly find, like your thribbences or your British pennies, and they were buried at known depths, so it was like a test bed for people to try out their detectors on mm-hmm. and, and to see whether they could get the coins. Now, I I was using my high-frequency XP coil, so I was never going to get the thrippance at 300 mil, not without fiddling some settings, <laughs> um, but I wasn't, in, I, wasn't, I wasn't interested in doing that. I just gone, okay, this is what that would, okay, I'm not going to find coins with this coil. I might need to get the 13 coil, 13-inch 13 yeah. coil, but. There was another another bed where they deliberately seeded some targets that were um, buried, and you paid a dollar. I think it was a, or it might have been two dollars. You had paid paid your money, and then you you were given a go find metal detector. So everybody used the same detector, and you were you paid your money, you got your detector, and then you go along, and then you got to dig a target. You could pick whatever target you wanted, but you got to pick. Whatever target you got, mm. you could you dug that, and that was your prize. And they they put some really good prizes in it. They had a they had a, I think it was a gold coin. They had some gold rings. They had some silvers. They had a round fifty cent piece, which was the first fifty cent piece that Australia had made. It was made fifty cent oh. silver, but they only did it for the one year. I've never found one except in change. <laughs> um, I'd love to find one. That's on my to do list. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't actually have a go at that because by the time I got to it, all of the good targets were gone and I thought, oh, 
uh, I couldn't be bothered. I'm too interested in finding other things. <laughs> but the the day started at eight thirty in the morning, and there was a tree, and I didn't go to the tree until after lunch. And everybody knows the best place to go is under trees. Yeah. Or or the clothesline, but there wasn't a clothesline. The bigger the but tree, the better the hunt. The big, the bigger the tree, and this was quite a large tree. It cast out a lot of shade, and it was next to a driveway, oh. that which is another good good place yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's three four hours after the event has started. The guy who's pulling out dog tags left, right, and center was finding them under that tree, and I think that's probably. I think he found the the his coins around there too. Mm. So while they're doing the panning demonstration, the gold panning demonstration, I'd I'd watched it. And I was like, okay, I've got the knack of this now. I'm going to go back to metal detecting. So John and I, we we go back off to detecting and we go to the tree. And we're sort of detecting around, swinging, swinging. And by this stage, I had borrowed somebody's 11 by 13 inch coil for the XP because I wanted to give it a crack. And they said I could borrow it. I was like, well, why not? Yeah. The thing was heavy. It, it's heavy for me. I've got bony girl arms, but... Um, I was using it anyway just to get a feel for it. And the area was really quite noisy in terms of trash. It was quite a few trashy sort of signals. But anything that was half decent, I was just, I'm going to dig this. So I did. The first few targets I got were trash and ring pulls and other melted slag stuff. And then I had this other signal that was reading in the rubbish zone, but it gave off a solid signal. So I dug it. And I popped out the soil and I could just see this tiny little bit of a gold arc. And I've just gone, what is that? Is that a cut piece of pipe? <laughs> no, no, it's actually completely circular. Oh, hang on. There's this little knobbly bit. Oh, my God. It's a diamond ring. Turns out that what it was was a diamond ring, which I will get valued at some stage. And it stamped 18 karat gold. But the thing was, so many people have walked over it and dismissed it. Even the guy who was pulling out the dog tags, he said, I probably walked over that. John said, I probably walked over that. The moral of the story is you've got to dig that rubbish signal yeah. to get that real treasure. It, 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 was, it was a rubbish signal. It was jumpy, but I had attributed that to being interference from potential other targets because I was using such a large coil. If I had had a smaller coil on it, probably would have been quite a nice solid signal. It, it, I mean, it was a solid signal through the audio, but I used the XY chart on the on the screen and it was jumping all over the place. But I thought, well, it's a solid signal. I'm going to dig it anyway. I was very glad that I did. Yeah, it's that's one of the very things with the XP. You really need to listen to the tones. Uh, a lot of people yeah. do still look at that screen, like using the uh, the you know the X XY screen that you are using, but uh, that's just. Uh, it's not something that you can really rely on. Those tones are the thing that you can really rely on with the XP days. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so I pulled it out and I've just gone, this is this is a ring. It's, it's a diamond ring. People are coming over and having a look and they're going, wow, that's amazing. And then everybody starts detecting around me. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to always be that way. Yeah, yeah. So... It wasn't very long before that ring was whisked away and showed off to other people so I could continue detecting around. I had to actually move a little bit because there was too much interference. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I could not just take that ring 
home. I had to. I, I asked the guys. I said, "What? What are? What were the rules about?" If you found something like this, it was a penny. A penny's a penny. Yeah. Unless it was like the 1827 rare penny or the 1930 Australian penny. Um, I, you, ju- you would just pocket those. But this was a diamond ring. You could have had it. It was private property. It was the family's property. And I thought this could be somebody's heirloom that got yeah. lost. So we walked up to the 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 owner's house, which was – uh, a couple of hundred metres away and we knocked on the door and he came out and said, oh, how you going? you have any luck? And so, yeah, here we go. And and I found this. Do you know of anybody who's lost something on your property, like a family member? And he's just going, no, no, I don't know of anybody who's lost it. No one's reported anything to me in the past. I don't know if anyone, any, um, like a parent or a grandparent has lost anything in the past and he allowed me to keep it. Because wow. it didn't have any meaning to him. That's amazing. So, oh, yeah, it was amazing. And it, and I felt a lot better as well because it, it would have been really easy for me to just pocket it and not report it. But I'm not that kind of person. It's just this could have value. It could have a sentimental value. It might not have a dollar value, but it could have a sentimental value. Go up there, knock on his door, and he said I could have it. So I will get it valued because it's quite a large stone. Yeah, it's definitely it's a um, very beautiful ring, and it's got uh, that large stone on it, and it has, uh, I guess you could say, uh, the ring itself kind of uh, terminates on two ends around the the diamond itself. It's a really beautiful ring. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll get it checked out. But what I'm mostly interested in is the date. How old is this thing? Mm-hmm. And so I started to started to do a little bit of research into how can you date jewelry. Yeah, because uh, they're not like a coin; they don't have no. a little date stamped on them exactly. a lot of the time. Yeah, they're, they're, there's other things on it. Well, I hate having to interrupt the show, but you know we got to pay these bills. Hey, do you guys know about the Rudus Alter Seventy One? Now, I know I talk about it a lot, but. I love this metal detector, so I'm going to keep talking about it as much as I can. And not just because they sponsor the show, that's a plus for me, but because this is by far one of the greatest machines that I've used. Go over to their website, rudus.com.pl, and check it out for yourself. It's not available everywhere yet. Uh, You can find places where you can actually find a distributor near you if it is available. Check it out under rudus.com.pl. If you have other questions, feel free to ask me and I can get in touch with them for you. Check them out. The Rudus Ultra 71, a great metal detector for beginners all the way up to the seasoned professionals. Check it out at rudus.com.pl. Rock metal detecting. Hey, GDA. The metal detecting. Big silver. I am having a lovely weekend. So everyone, get out there and rock metal detecting. Siren Kimmy, rock metal detecting. Hey, Lance. Hey, GDA. Siren Kimmy here, girls rock metal detecting. I'm just taking a quick break from metal detecting to check in with you guys. I have two pieces of news some breaking news for you. Um, The first piece of information I want to share with you, which I have not shared to my page yet or to my channel, um, is I am currently testing out a new metal detector. That's right. Um, I have gotten my hands on a Nocta Macro Amphibio Multi. 
and I have been doing some relic hunting and coin shooting, hitting some places that I've hit before, and I'm getting pretty impressed because I'm finding some things that I've missed. Um, and so I'm gonna share that with y'all on my channel, The Girls Rock Metal Detecting on YouTube, and also posting uh, finds and stuff on my page, and also the other piece of news is my group. Um, I finally caved in and went ahead and started a group on Facebook. As you may know, I already had a page, Girls Rock Metal Detecting, but um, I've decided to open it up to a group where we can interact and make it more of a community, and mostly because I've seen a little bit of a need for um, an informational resource. Um, I have all kinds of documentation on research and, and everything from the basics of metal detecting all the way up to how to do online searches. I think it's going to be really beneficial not only for the beginning detectorists but also for the advanced detectorists because it's going to be somewhat of a research library. So I think this is going to make our group a little bit different than what you're used to seeing on Facebook. And I really think it will be a valuable tool. So I hope you will come and join. Um, it is not called Girls Rock Metal Detecting, though. We have named it We Rock Metal Detecting, brought to you by Girls Rock Metal Detecting. Mostly because the guys were getting a little confused, thinking that they weren't allowed in, thinking that it was an all-girl group. <laughs> um, in addition, I've kind of teamed up with Heavy Metal Detecting and the 1800s Club to help me out a little bit with the group. And so there we have it. It's We Rock Metal Detecting. So I hope you will come on over to Facebook and join the group and see what it's all about. I think you'll really um, find some value in it. And again, sign up to Girls Rock Metal Detecting. Subscribe on YouTube because we got that Amphibio, the testing coming up soon. And um, as always, have a great week, you guys. And I will see you soon. And don't forget, Rock Metal Detecting. Yeah, that's one of those things that uh, a lot of people try and figure out exactly how you can date jewelry and stuff. Because, you know, places like England, they have uh, the, um, what is it called? They have the... Hallmark. Yeah, the hallmarks that are on and there. And the date stamp. And they have an assay office as well. So they have their standard for it. So you can get all the information you want off of that. But, you know, places like Australia, uh, as we'll find out... They didn't have that until 1988. The United States still doesn't have that, and there's still a lot of other countries that don't have this kind of consumer protection when it comes to gold and silver and everything else. So it's really kind of tough to date a lot of stuff. Yeah, so so one of the things about this this ring that when I tried to date it, and, and bear in mind this is me looking at stuff on the Internet to try and get a date, Obviously, if you find something, the best way to do it is to go and get it professionally assessed. Mm. But if you do, if you're just looking for a ballpark figure, then there's there's a few things that you can use to try and get that for you. So what I started looking at was um, the cut of the diamond. So the diamond in this ring is round, and it looks to be like it's what they call a brilliant cut, and the brilliant cut diamond was sort of started in the early 1900s, sort of gained momentum towards the um, the 20s onwards. So anything that's that round, brilliant cut is likely to be post-1920. Uh, so you've got other kinds of cuts. You've got the Edwardian cut. You've got the old European-style cut and there's a whole bunch of other ones. And 
they were popular in certain eras. So if you find a ring and you've got this particular kind of cut, you can hazard a guess as to saying this could be belonging to this particular date range. You could also have a later ring that's been made in that style. So you can't say for sure with absolute certainty that, yes, it was an Edwardian ring or a Georgian ring. You yeah. can't say for certainty yeah. without other without other evidence. But you could hazard a guess to say it could be this. This is where the evidence is leading towards. Yeah, but, yeah, it's um, one of those things. It's uh, the styles. You can definitely find uh, a lot of styles and stuff like that online as well. So it, yeah. it'll definitely help identify. Yeah. The other thing that you can also use is the types of metals that are used in, in the ring. So this ring that I found has got, has got two types of metals on it. It's got a yellow gold and it's got another which uh, another metal which looks sort of silvery or white. So I'm guessing that it's probably white gold. It could be platinum, but I I think the chances of that are not very high. No. So my estimate would be that it would be white gold. So, again, Dr. Google tells me that um, that started to become popular in the 1920s as well. So, so because it's got two different types of metal in it and because of this round, brilliant cut diamond, I'm guessing that it's 1920 or later. Yeah, it's um, definitely one of those things. Those are great little bits of clues that you can definitely get off something like this, especially that when it comes to, like you said, the style of the cut of the diamond. Um, mm. Different generations like their diamonds cut in different styles as well. Some like them hexagon, some like um, uh, more rounded, more finer cuts when it comes to the diamonds. Um yeah, and there's also it comes down to the style of the cutter as well. So there's there's a lot of things that you can use to identify uh, a piece of jewelry. But yeah, the style and the style of the diamond are two very big ones, especially with yours. Yours is a big diamond. Mm. And I guess the last thing, and probably one of the most easy ways to be able to date something, is to check out that hallmark. Now, this particular ring doesn't have a hallmark, so. That, I mean, that was the first thing that I went for was the hallmark. Does it have a hallmark? Because a hallmark will have, uh, it will often have, let me say, uh, a maker's mark, an assay office if it was made in the UK, uh, and a date stamp. And what was the other one? Uh, I forgot now. Yeah, it comes down. It comes down to basically also what. There were four. There were four. Yeah, it comes down <laughs> to the basically other one. So you're dealing with the location, the type, the type it is. So is it silver? Is it gold? Is it platinum? Is it palladium? Uh, so that's the other one. So like sterling silver or silver will have the oh, lion yeah. on it as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd have to look up what the other ones are. Yeah. So this this ring is stamped 18C. And I did couldn't actually find a lot of information about um, what 18C means other than it's 18 carat. Uh, I did find one reference to that that was a, a stamping that was used in England prior to 1975, but it could also be an Australian stamp. Yeah, it I'm could also sure. be so, US as well. Yeah, so 
just the through the design of the ring, um, like the style of, of, of how it's designed in itself, I sort of put the date range between 1920 to 1975 and probably erring more towards the 1975 end. But when I get it valued, and I should be doing that in the coming week or so, um, I'll ask the person who's doing that valuation to see if they can put a date on it and I'd be very interested. Yeah, totally very right. interested to see how well how well I did. <laughs> yeah, that, that that'd be. I'm gonna well by me looking at the photograph that you shared. I'm gonna probably put it on the lower end of that. Um, I'm gonna probably put it in around the 40s, probably the mid 40s. Uh, so 1940, I don't know, 41 to 44, somewhere in around that time frame. Um, I have an idea of what may have happened. You know. Might have been a sweetheart ring or something like that from soldiers taking off. Um, so, I mean, if it was sitting next to a tree, you could just imagine, you know, a, a woman and her soldier friend, you know, leaning against it uh, prior to him shipping out. So it could have been anything from that time frame. Well, she could have been angry with him and throw it away. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of, tumultuous history that was happening at that time in Australia. So yeah. so it could be anything. But I'm going to say it's from 1941 to 45. So that's going to be my guess. But, uh, yeah, you were saying that, you know, when it comes down to other countries like the U.K. Now, we're going to stick with Australia for a second. But like the U.K., Australia was realizing that there was uh, a lack of some kind of, uh, of a consumer... Uh, protection when it came to the purchase of gold and silver and platinum and palladium. And um, so in 1988, uh, the Gold and Silver Guild of Australia was founded. And uh, since then, uh, in Australia, they have uh, been using a type of um, hallmarking on the rings. So uh, if you guys want to find out about this, there is, uh, if you're in Australia or think you may have found an Australia ring, which is really simple to figure it out because one of the stamps in the ring or a part of the hallmark is a symbol of Australia itself. So it's pretty simple to figure out that this is Australia. But there is a website called gsga.org.au. Check that out. That's gsga.org.au. That's going to be in the write-up on this. You can also find it on the website, gdapod.com. Uh, all the links are going to be on gdapod.com, so make sure you check that out. But uh, they include uh, the location, if it was made in Australia. Uh, the GSGA is for anything made in Australia. It tells you exactly what type of metal it is. It gives the guild mark on there, and the last one is the year, like we were talking about. Uh, so it's really simple to identify the type of gold and when it was made or silver and platinum and everything else. Uh, when we go over to the UK, uh, go ahead. What was it? Oh, no, I was just going to um, just make an addition to the, when you were saying about the year, it's important to look for the fine details in those, in those years. Oh, they'll, yeah. Generally, generally there'll be letters in Australia in this SGSA or whatever it's called. Oh, GSGA. Um, they, they, 
for for significant years they've used other symbols like for 1988 which was the centenary of our bicentenary sorry um they used 200 but in general it's going to be a letter so the it's it's important to be aware of the fine details on those letters is it what font is it does it has a does it have a serif is it a capital um what is the shape that it's been stamped into is it like a little pac-man ghost or is it a triangle or is it yeah. square yeah so the diamond shape every tiny little bit of detail will narrow that down to a more exact date so yeah it, it, i think it's also important to note that these um they generally don't use the letter i because it can get, it can get confused with other letters like j and l yeah uh so and that, so they'll change from year to year. They'll change. They'll index from one letter to the next, and then once they get to Z, then they go to a capital version, or they'll change the font, or yeah. they'll change the shape in, in in which it's imprinted. So, just because you've got a letter K does not necessarily mean it's this year. It has to be the letter K of that font in that shape. Yeah, like in Australia, for example, uh, from 1988 to 1999, they used capital letters that were more cursive shaped. And then after the year 2000, they used lower cases in a more block style writing. So if you get, uh, for example, a ring that has a U in it, and it is a very clean, uncursive U. It's really simple to tell the difference between the two because the only time it's been used is 1994 and 2018. So it's really simple to cut it down into the year, especially when it comes to Australia. Uh, when it comes to England, it's a little bit more complicated since it has been around since the 1300s. Uh, but it is there are websites to really help you break it down uh, to the style. And then I guess we can kind of buzz over to uh, across the Pacific and the Atlantic and land up in the UK. Um, if you go to a website called www.assayofficelondon.co.uk, uh, the assay is spelled A-S-S-A-Y officelondon.co.uk. Uh, you can find out some information there as well. This is uh, the head assayer's office in uh, Britain. Uh, they do have a link for all the information you need to know about hallmarks. But it does get a little tough because they don't give all the years of the hallmarks that are in there. Uh, there are different ways to look it up. Uh, you can look, uh, for example, when it comes to maker's marks, because UK has maker's marks in there as well. So you can go to a website called silvermakersmark.co.uk and find it out based on the location where they were made. You can go to all kinds of other places and start piecing together all those little stamps that are inside a ring. Uh, for the most part, there are four different locations where a ring is going to be made in the UK uh, we're looking at um, uh, what? Which ones are they? We're looking at uh, Birmingham, yeah. London, Sheffield, and Edinburgh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there were some other ones prior as well. Uh, those 
other ones that are prior to that are Chester, Dublin, Edinburgh, Exeter, Glasgow, London, Newcastle, Sheffield, York, and Birmingham. Um, so you can go to that silvermakersmarks.co.uk and click on whichever mark it shows inside whatever it is that you're holding and find out exactly what year it was made based on the letters of the maker. Um, yeah, so I just want to say that it's important to identify the maker, like, sorry, the assay office mark first. So you've got London, which is the head of the lion. You've got Birmingham, which is the anchor. you got to go to that. Assay officers date mark. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the um, page. Because with all those different marks on there, it kind of gets frustrating. But trust me, it is a rabbit hole that is extremely fun to go down. It really is. I mean, me and 42 were doing this with a piece of silver that she found at a garage sale. Um, what was it? A, a button hook? It was a button hook, yeah. So it was it's it's broken. It's, it's, it was a piece of steel. It's probably about six inches long with a little tiny hook on it. And at the handle end, there's was just a fancy design that was obviously broken at the end. And I could just see that they were made out of two metals and one end looked like it had hallmarks. And I've just gone, I'll pay a dollar because I just want to <laughs> see what these things say. So it ended and up... Uh, having yeah. what looked like the initials, the WD, but the W is kind of worn off. There was an anchor and a lion, uh, the side view of a lion, and then the letter H inside of it. And that's what started us into this kind of deep dive. So you were the first one to actually find the first clue, I believe, with the letter H. Yeah, I picked the H and I picked. Well, I picked them all. <laughs> I, I mean, I've I've done this for a while now, so I know that the anchor is Birmingham. So I've just gone. Well, that's Birmingham. Uh, the the macro lens that I was using had uh, has a narrow sort of angle of focus on it. So so some of the 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 mark is actually a little bit blurry, but it it definitely looks like an H, and you can clearly make out the anchor, the D. The line, which and the line stands for sterling silver, yeah. and then make out the H. And based on the other evidence that you've got there, you can say that H means it was 1907. And then I was looking up the D because it was really hard to make out the W to begin with. But uh, 42 looked at it again. She's like, well, is, could it possibly be a W in front of it? And once I had that news, uh, I was able to locate on silvermakersmarks.co.uk that those initials were registered to a William Devonport from the years 1903 to 1910. This guy was around from 1893 to 1948, but this specific style was registered 1903 to 1910 and it says that it was used on button hooks, and that narrowed it down to exactly when and who made that exact piece of equipment she was holding in her hand. It was a really fun little, little trip. 
And that's why I paid a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was worth a dollar. I think I'm going to be looking out for more silver with this uh, flea market season starting up. I think it's really fun to do that. I might just take photographs while I'm out there and just start the deep dive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I, whenever I go to a garage sale and I see something like that, I always check to see if it's got a hallmark on it. Not because it could have any value, but just to see where things were made and can I can I nut this out? Can I solve this puzzle? Yeah, because it's so cool seeing that this was designed by a guy named William Devonport at Spencer Street in Birmingham, England in 1907. I mean, we have the very specific time frame and person who actually designed and made that silver piece. It's just so amazing and just, I think it's so cool. And I think more of the world should use this kind of uh, hallmarking to help identify and safeguard the consumer from fake gold or fake silver. I think it should be a law that any kind of gold or silver needs to have this. Yeah, I thought it was was a law, but it appears only to be a law in the UK and I think even in Australia, I think it's elective to yeah. use those markings. Yeah, it's it is. It's just one of those. Well, things. in 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 the way that we described earlier by that by that um, the GSGA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's still. It's I think it's a law that you have to stamp it with the with the percentage of yeah, gold. Percentage. It's, it's so just like that in the, in the United States. I think they States. use numbers today. Yeah, the United States yeah. is exactly the same way. You know, uh, you get it needs to show exactly what kind of silver is in it. Um, I mean, in Germany, it's the same way. Uh, I have that ring that, which is actually a pretty cool story. I I shared photos of it, I think, last year. Uh, A ring that's been in my family for generations, and um, I found it again. Everybody thought it was lost, and in 95, I found it in the back of a jewelry box that my grandmother left my mother after she died. Um, so after a long search, I found out that this ring, what I thought had come from my grandfather in World War II had actually come from my great grandfather in World War One when he returned. Um, oh, wow. it was a donation ring. So people in World War One would donate money to the Germans, to the German government to help support the war effort. And uh, they would get this ring as kind of a thank you back from the government. And there were many, many, many styles of this type of ring. Uh, This was just the one that my grandfather somehow got. Very small ring. It was like a child's ring. Um, He brought it back with him from World War I and gave it to my great-grandmother. And um, so it has a stamp in it. And we were trying to figure out exactly how to date it. And it did have basically a second kind of stamp that we were able to, me and a friend were able to narrow it down to exactly a year that it was made. And it was 1914, I believe when it was actually made. Um, We just don't know where we don't know for which company or how he got it or anything else. Uh, All that information has been lost to unbelievable history. Um, But yeah, that's, it's got those marks in it, and it still says 925 Silver. So a lot of people know that 925 Silver is a very good. The 925 means it's 92.5% Silver. Um, you can basically, if you want to know what kind of Silver or Gold it is, the first two numbers are the percentage, and the last 
number is the post decimal. So it's if it's uh, three two five gold, it's going to be thirty two point five percent. So that's a good thing to think about. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's if you need information on how to um, how to you know get information on hallmarks or dates of rings, one of the best thing you can do, like Forty Two's doing, take it down to a jewelry store. Uh, they are trained professionals; they know how to look for this kind of stuff. Uh, they might not be able to give you an exact date, but they might be able to give you a ballpark figure um, to get it into an accurate time frame. Um, there, I like it unless it's hallmarked, um, you're not going to know if you have something that's hallmarked that you need information, feel free to reach out to me or 42. We can lead you in the right directions or check out gdapod.com, uh, under the show notes. And we'll have, uh, the information right there, a couple links that will take you right to the places and you can definitely check it out right there. Yeah, we will. I love it. Yeah, I do too. Bring, send them, bring it. Oh, yeah, send them if you, you don't know. The, the the key to doing that, though, is a good, clear, close-up photograph of the hallmark. Yeah. If you can, if you can, you can buy little attachments for your phone camera that will have a little macro feature to them. Get something like that. Or if you've got a magnifying glass, try and take a photo through the magnifying glass. They don't work as well as what, say, one of these macro attachments will, but you can you can pick some you can get some cheap ones which will still get in close. The the more expensive ones have, will give you a better quality photo. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I've I've got a I've got one of each. I've got a cheap one and an expensive one. Yeah, I've got and, uh, I think I paid I, ten bucks for the set I got and I've used it. It came with a, a macro lens. It also came uh, a micro lens. It also came with a macro fish eye, which was good for filming certain things as well, yeah. too. So it's a really good set. You can find them on Amazon for a really decent prices. Yeah, if you're in Australia, they sell them at Daiso. <laughs> <laughs> if you're over here in Germany, that's where I got mine. If you're here in Germany, they sell them at Kick sometimes. So check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some cameras actually, like some point-and-shoot cameras, have a macro feature. So you can also utilize that on, on your point-and-shoots. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of them, and I can get some really close-up photos of dates and hallmarks and stuff just with that particular camera. Yeah, you can also use so, an SLR camera and put it onto the macro uh, for uh, the macro setting and actually use a zoom lens to get in there as well. I've used that as yeah. well. But that's that's a lot more difficult to get it focused in place. You got to change uh, an automatic focus uh, SLR camera into uh, manual and make sure it's on a tripod. It's a lot more. Oh difficult. yeah, yeah. But if you if if you need help and you've got a good quality photo, please feel free to send it in. Absolutely, we'll try and do our best to help you out we're here for you and if we can't help you we got hundreds and hundreds of people online that are absolutely eager to jump on the chance for any kind of a challenge and they will love to do it if you have anything that you've found that you want help identifying get in touch with us we'll definitely give a chance uh give that a shot and um we we might be 99.99 percent wrong but that that one one hundredth of a percent is going to be right on the right on the nose (laughs) 
So don't believe everything that comes out of my mouth. (laughs) 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 But uh, I think that was a great show. I think there's a lot of information there for everybody. And, um, you know, uh, where can they find us? Um, Facebook. (laughs) Global Detection Adventures. Yeah, and then on Instagram, also Global Detection Adventures. And then... Uh, go to GDA, yeah, gdapod.com and uh, check it out. If you want to just download the, the audio, you can download it straight from the website now. Newest episode is always at the top, and we got the entire library right there on the homepage. You can just scroll down. You'll find it there. You can download every single episode right from the website. It's absolutely free and there for you guys. We're going to be starting to share some video as well. I'm going to be doing some videos here of some of my favorite finds while I'm out metal detecting and why I actually really like them. So that's going to be fun sharing with you guys. So expect to see those popping up on the website as well too. But, or do you got anything else? You want to say hi to someone? No. I'll be seeing him tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going to be saying hey to my dad, as always. Thank you, Dad, for listening. Love you, bud. I hope everything's going good out there. I heard it finally stopped snowing, so I'm glad about that. (laughs) (laughs) Bring on the warmer weather for you. Bring on the cooler weather for me. He's 80 years old, and he's out there uh, shoveling the snow, which is about one-third of a meter deep. It's just unbelievable. That guy, he's like a freight train. He's like a freight train. He just keeps going. Excellent. It's the old cowboy. But anyway, all right, well, I'm going to see you guys around, you know, from me and 42. As always, we'll see you out on the field, y'all. Let's dig it up. <laughs>